Many times when we're talking about uh, our spiritual growth and we're talking about God's work in our lives, you've probably heard me say that it's all about progress, not perfection. And what we mean by that is when we're talking about spiritual growth, we're, we're usually talking about it in terms of step-by-step growth. We're talking about that spiritual growth, does it not, usually happens little by little, day by day, one small victory at a time. Isn't that how God usually works in our lives? It's just get up tomorrow, seek Him, trust Him, honor Him, follow Him, get up the next day, seek Him, trust Him, honor Him, follow Him, and before you know it, you're moving forward. Amen? Isn't that true? It's just daily choices to trust God and to walk with Him. However, there are certain times in our lives that are especially significant. There are turning points. Somebody has called it, there are spiritual markers. Does anybody have anything like that in your life? Spiritual markers, special moments that God works in our life in a very significant way. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I've had several of those. I would say probably three, four, maybe as many as five. Not many, but several times in my life that were real turning points. That were real markers. I remember especially one when I was about 18 years old. When I was 18, the Lord was speaking to my heart about getting closer to Him. He was speaking to me about getting serious about my relationship with Him. And there were some pretty specific things that were in my life that God was challenging me to give over to Him, to turn over to Him, to get right in my life. But I'd been kind of dragging my feet. Anybody ever done that before? God speaks to you and, yeah, okay, Lord, all right. You know, you sort of just take your time with it. Then something dramatic happened in my life. Now, a lot of you know that I like to spend time outdoors hunting and fishing and things like that. Well, when I was about 18 years old, during this time of my life, I was out in the woods. I was doing some scouting, which is just kind of, you know, going out a little bit before the season and just kind of checking things out and spending some time in the woods. Well, I was out one time scouting and uh, just kind of getting ready for the season when I heard some, some thunder kind of off in the distance, just sort of rumbling a little bit. I thought, you know what, I need to kind of pay attention to that. You know, maybe if it gets closer, I need to ease my way back to, the, to my truck. And so I got closer, and I got closer, and I said, well, maybe I need to make my way back. And so I started going back. Well, about halfway there, I got overtaken by this storm. I mean, I was getting pelted with rain, and I mean, the wind was blowing, and literally, I'm not kidding you, lightning was striking all around me. For a few moments there, for about 30 minutes, I really thought that was going to be the end of my life. I got in a ball on the ground. I tried to get away from the tallest tree. You know, all they tell you. I got in a ball on the ground, and man, I started, you know, talking to the Lord. I said, I said I'm serious. I thought for sure, this is it. I am going to die right here in the woods, get struck by lightning. And I remember saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm your child. I know I'm saved. I know you've forgiven me of my sins. I thank you for that. If I die here out here in the middle of the woods, I know I'm going to heaven. But Lord, I know I need to get some things right with you. And God, I ask you to forgive me. This has gotten my attention. I am not really ready to give an account for my life. Thank you that I'm saved. But you know what? I have not been walking the way I need to be walk with you, walking with you. And in those moments, thankfully, I got my heart right with God. Well, as you can see, I made it out of there. <laughs> I didn't get struck by lightning. I didn't die out there in the middle of the woods, but the Lord used that. Have you ever had anything like that in your life? 
The Lord used that to get me serious about my life and my relationship with him. That was a turning point in my life. It signaled a time for change was needed in my life. And I wonder tonight, is it possible that something like that needs to happen in your life? For the most part, little by little, step by step, some things have been happening in your life. God's been building His work in your life. God's been speaking to you. But maybe it's time. Amen? It's time and you know it. What else are you looking for sometimes? I think the Lord would say to us. As we celebrate this New Year's weekend, I think this is a great time to think about a time for change in our lives. And that's where we're going to focus on Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at a story of a man's life that was changed in one day. And the first thing that we're going to think about is this. If this is a time in your life when God is trying to get through to you, when some things need to change, not later, but really right now, we're going to look at these verses and see what God may want to say to us through them. So as we look at Luke chapter 19, the first thing I want us to think about is this. God has a way of getting our attention, doesn't he? Let's look at verses 1 through 5 of that chapter. It says, he is talking about Jesus there. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. He was a short guy. It says, uh, So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Jesus was coming by and he wanted to see him. It says in verse 5, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, after reading those verses, I want to kind of set up the scene of what's going on here. Jesus, it tells us a couple of chapters before this, in chapter 17, that he had been traveling through Samaria and Galilee. Now, again, I shared with you a week or two ago, that in the back of your Bible, there's some maps. And you ought to look at those maps every once in a while, because it helps to make sense. People will tell you when you go to the Holy Land, <clears throat> when you visit there, it helps bring the Bible to life. Well, maybe you can't go to the Holy Land this year, but you got maps in the back of your Bible, and you can kind of begin to see the... the the uh, progression of what Jesus is doing. He's traveling through that area. He's on his way. We find out a few verses after this in verse 28 that he's on his way to Jerusalem. And on the way there, he passes through a town called Jericho. Now, I don't know for sure the travel route that Jesus was taking, the exact travel route, but many people say that, uh, that this time that he spent in Jericho was really very intentional because it wasn't necessary in terms of just straight travel. If you kind of look, uh, Jericho is not too far away from Jerusalem, but it's a little bit kind of, it wasn't a straight shot from where he was, okay? So the idea you get there is Jesus went there for a reason, amen? I have a feeling he did, how about you? Now Jericho was a very prosperous resort type of area where a lot of people spent their vacations. Some people have even said that it was kind of like a Las Vegas of the first century. There were a lot of rich people that lived there. In fact, you know, it might have been good for an episode of The Lifestyles and Rich and Famous. Okay, remember that? Champagne wishes and caviar dreams. Do you remember that? You remember that guy? What was the guy's name? Robin somebody? I don't know. Robin Leach. Okay, some of y'all watched that show. All right, well, that's the kind of place that Jericho was. That's where people hung out. And included among those rich people were many people who were tax collectors. And to give you an idea of the tax collectors, they were, some people have said that they were kind of like the first century mafia, okay? 
They rough people up to get money out of them for the government. And oh, by the way, while I'm roughing you up for the government, the government's kind of turning their eyes away, not noticing that I'm taking my share at the same time. Okay, so I would collect, uh, uh, Zacchaeus and all these tax collectors would collect these taxes and then they would extort even more money out of these people while they were doing it. So because of that, they were hated by everyone. And on top of that, they were seen as traitors because many times they were Jewish people who were selling out their own people. Well, in that town, there lived a man named Zacchaeus. Now, it appears that Zacchaeus was one of the most important tax collectors in that area. He was over that district. So he probably had other tax collectors who were under him. So what does that tell us? Zacchaeus was a very rich man, and he was probably a pretty good crook. Okay, You don't get to be the head of other crooks unless you're a pretty good crook yourself. He had cheated a lot of people. But God was about to get his attention. Has God ever intersected your life? Have you ever been going along doing your thing? Even if sometimes it may not be God's thing, it may be your own thing, it may be a wrong thing like Zacchaeus. And there's a time in your life, yes, that God speaks to you in those small ways, but there are times when God just says to you, I've got your number. And I'm speaking to you. Look at what he does with Zacchaeus. In verses 3 through 5, it says, Zacchaeus, now it says he was trying to see. That, that gives the, the idea he kept trying. There was an effort. Zacchaeus, was, he was really interested in finding out who Jesus was. <clears throat> and he wasn't able to because of the crowd, for he was a small guy. So he ran on ahead, he climbed up into that tree, he knew that Jesus was about to come by, and then Jesus speaks to him. Now, I can't exactly say what was happening with Zacchaeus. Some people read this passage and they'll say, you know what, what Zacchaeus is demonstrating is he was hungry. He was spiritually hungry, and he knew it. And he knew that Jesus was coming by, and he knew that he had to meet with Jesus. Okay? Some people say that's what was happening. Zacchaeus knew this was his opportunity, and he did not want to miss this opportunity to see the Lord and to get his attention. Now, other people read this passage and say, no, you know what, Zacchaeus, he was not that clued into the situation. It was kind of like, uh, it was more like this. You remember the other day when the Jimmer Fredette game at the Glens Falls Civic Center? Okay, remember, there was kind of a everybody in town's going to be there kind of thing, all right? You don't want to miss uh, the newspaper and all the news, all that kind of thing. You want to say 20 years from now, yeah, I was at that game, all right? Well, some people think that that's what Zacchaeus was doing. Zacchaeus says, hey, there's a big crowd forming. There's a parade happening. Something's happening, and he's in the middle of the action all the time anyway. I don't want to miss it. I want to be there. I want to say I was there when whatever this is happened. Now, I'm not sure which it is. I'm not sure if Zacchaeus, maybe there was something spiritual going on. Or I'm not sure if it was just he was a real nosy guy, and there was a crowd, and there was a commotion, and he just had to find out what it was. But I do want to point out a couple of things. He climbed a tree. Now, if you're used to reading this story, if you've read the story about Zacchaeus, we know he was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up a sycamore tree. Okay, you've heard that story maybe. <clears throat> you know that Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree. Big deal, I know that's in the Bible. But I want you to think about it for just a minute. Here is supposedly... <clears throat> This, uh, this man who is so uh, rich and famous around town and all these kind of things, living this luxurious life, do guys like that usually go kind of right up a tree? <laughs> doesn't that sound a little weird? Doesn't that sound a little odd? Isn't that a little bit over the top? 
I mean, rather than, rather than just asking somebody what's going on, he climbs a tree. Second thing is he, he appears to be kind of determined. It says he kept on trying to see who Jesus was. Now, again, maybe that just tells us he was really curious and he didn't give up. He wanted to find out what was going on. But maybe it's a hint that something more is going on in his heart. Third thing is he responded when Jesus spoke to him. Now, it might have just been Jesus said, okay, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house today. It might have just been that he was saying to everybody else, ha ha, he's coming to my house, not yours. Okay, that might be why he responded so quickly. But there may be a hint here that Zacchaeus understood that this person walking through town wasn't just anybody. So we're not really sure. We don't know exactly. Maybe he was clueless. Maybe there was something more. Personally, I don't think Zacchaeus woke up that day thinking his life was going to change forever. How about you? Do you think he knew that? I think for sure he didn't know that. But I do believe that there was something happening in Zacchaeus' heart. He had a sense that something was missing. He had so-called made it, according to the world, he had made it to the top. He was one of the richest people in the area, and he knew that something was missing in his life. And I think there was something going on. I can't say exactly what. But if he had a sense that God was passing by, we for sure get the idea that Zacchaeus was paying attention. Whatever's happening, there's no doubt. Whether Zacchaeus knew it or not, Jesus had an appointment with him that day. Amen? Jesus knew exactly where Zacchaeus was, and he knew how to get his attention. Let's look at that in verse 5. It says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. What did Jesus do? There's this crowd of people, and Jesus stops in the middle of that crowd, and he specifically talks to one person. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. What if we were at a gathering at the Glens Falls Civic Center, and there's five or 6,000 people, and what if there's somebody on the floor with the microphone, and this person's pretty important, there's some presentation, there's some speech, or there's something going on, and what if that person out of the 5,000 people there singled you out and asked you to come down on the platform? Would that kind of get your attention? Okay, that's kind of what's happening here. We don't need to miss that. Second thing is, he called Zacchaeus by name. Isn't that interesting? Now, as far as I know, he had not previously met Zacchaeus, except when he created him. <laughs> I mean, but he had not met Zacchaeus. He had not been introduced to him. Don't you think it would have gotten Zacchaeus' attention that here's Jesus walking along with this crowd. He just wants to get a glimpse of what's going on. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops, pays attention to him, and calls his name. There's something about my name, amen? There's something about your name, isn't there? There's something special about that. Have you ever noticed when someone remembers your name that you met, maybe just in passing, when somebody remembers your name, doesn't that mean something to you? Wow, they remembered my name. I think that spoke to Zacchaeus. But he also, he spoke with urgency. He said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for when? Today, I must come to your house. I think Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus, Hey, buddy, this is not any old day. 
Today is your divine appointment. I think the combination of those three things took Zacchaeus from, hey, what's the show that's going on in town? It took him beyond that to, hey, something big is happening for my life. God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? God has a way of, I woke up this morning without a clue, just thinking it was going to be a regular day. But by the end of this day, God has spoken to my heart that this day is a little bit different. Something's going on. God is speaking to me. God even knows my name. God has my number. Amen? Has he ever gotten your number before? He knows exactly, and he knew this is what Zacchaeus needed, He knows exactly what needs to happen in your life for you to go, oh my goodness, (laughs) I'm nailed. (laughs) God's got my number. He's speaking to me. It's just like Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Or it's just like uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. It was very clear, oh wow, God is speaking to me. You know, I wonder now is maybe one of those times in somebody's life here tonight. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know what's uh, happening in your life. Maybe it's through some circumstances in your life. Maybe it's through this message. Maybe it's through maybe the verses that we're reading or verses that you just read this week or you heard another message on or something. God is, there's some themes in your life or there's something that God in his own way, in your own heart, nobody else would pick it up. It's just between you and him, you know God is speaking to me. Amen? Isn't that a powerful thing? God is saying something to my life and I need to pay attention to it. Well, that's the next part of the story. When it's time for a change, when God is offering that to us, we've got to make a decision of what we're going to do with it. Let's look at verses 6 through 10. First of all, look at Zacchaeus' response in verses 6 through 8. It says, And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. Actually, he, he was rejoicing. He was beside himself. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, all of us, we know this is a great story. God's changing a man's life. And so we're going, oh, those dirty, rotten people. Why do they have to be so uh, hard to get along with? But actually, (laughs) you know, this is kind of, if you can just imagine this in your mind, this is like the worst politician who, who everybody knows you can't trust, and Jesus is picking him out and saying, I'm going to go hang out with him. And the rest of us will be going, what are you doing that for? Well, you want to, of all people, he's not seeking you, God. Okay? When they saw it, they all began to murmur. That was the way they grumble. Zacchaeus, though, he stopped and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded or cheated anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Zacchaeus was super excited that Jesus noticed him and wanted to come to his house. Now again, at this point, was it still, okay, this famous person recognized me, I'm very honored, I get to have him over to my house, okay? It could be, or could it be that something was happening in Zacchaeus' heart? I don't know for sure, but somewhere in there, there's no doubt it began to go further. I don't know if it was on the way to the house or I don't know if it was at the house. It says, you kind of get the idea there. It says, says, and he hurried and came down and received him gladly. That kind of gives the idea that Zacchaeus said, okay, let's go to my house. And they're on the way to the house. They get to the house. They have some time together. And then after that, 
Zacchaeus seems to be recognizing that something different's happening. Look at what else he said. It's really pretty shocking. He says, half of what I own, I will give to the poor. Okay, don't just read over those words. Can you imagine to be a wealthy person and to say right now, based on my net worth, whatever I have, I'm going to cut it in half and I'm going to give all of it away. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just on the spot, there's something happening. You think Donald Trump tonight, would be even if he had billions, you think he's going to want to say, I find that people who are that just uh, uh, extravagantly rich aren't wanting to get rid of any of it. What do they want to do? Get more of it. This is amazing. This is life-changing. Something has happened in Zacchaeus' life. And then listen to what else he says. And he says, if I owe anybody anything, and by the way, you can't tell that in English, but actually in the Greek language, the way that's put, it basically means if I owe anybody anything, and I do. Okay, he was basically admitting. You can actually, some of your translations may say, since. Since I owe a lot of people. Okay, that's the sense of it. He says, if I owe anybody anything, and, and Lord, I know I do, I'm going to pay back four times what I owe. Now, now, the law said that the things that he had done, the ways that he had cheated people, the way to make restitution, the Jewish law said he would give 100% back plus another 20%. That's how he would have made restitution. But nobody had to tell Zacchaeus, here's what's required. You know what Zacchaeus said? Instead of 120%, if I'm right, isn't this 400%? 400%. Okay, now let's start figuring this up a little bit. Uh, considering the fact that all of Zacchaeus' wealth had probably been gained by cheating, he says, I'm going to give away half right now. It's just, it's gone. It's, it's given away. And from what I have left, I'm going to pay, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay four times as much. It sounds to me a lot like Zacchaeus was going from being a rich man to not having a whole lot. I mean, we're talking about a major transformation in this man's life. And it's not just physical. It's not just that he was, that was just evidence, wasn't it? It's not just the material. The material was just an outward evidence of something spiritual that's going on. You know, the Bible says, and people get this mixed up, people think that we have to do good things to make God happy. Friend, the Bible says we cannot do enough good things to earn God's favor. Nobody is perfect. Okay? Nobody can do that. We don't do good things to earn God's favor, but when we've received God's favor... We want to do good things. It's evidence. It's not a requirement for his favor. It's by grace that we're saved through faith, not by our good works, or somebody could brag about it, right? That's what Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Look what I did. No, but when I come to Christ, when he changes my life, I'm going to clearly show, and in fact, Zacchaeus kind of shows, you're going to be kind of extravagant, not just kind of, well, what's the minimum, God? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't asking, okay, what's it going to take for me to show you? He was just like, Lord, I'll just, I'll just fess up right here. I'll just go ahead and offer it. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, here's what repentance looks like. Here's what a changed life looks like. It says, For behold, what earnestness, this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves. Isn't that what Zacchaeus was saying? Not vindication in the sense of I've got to do these things to make myself right with God, but I want it to be clear that I'm a different person now. What indignation. I don't like what I did before. What fear. I shouldn't have done that in the first place. What longing. I want to make this right. What zeal. What avenging of wrong. In everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter. When we're coming to God and He's changed our lives, it shouldn't be, okay, God, you know, what's kind of, you know, what's going to make you happy here? I can't make God happy. Jesus made the Father happy. Amen? What made Him happy was I accepted His gift and I gave my life to Him. But the evidence is going to be the overflow of my life. There's going to be fruit that comes out of my life that's going to show Christ has changed my life. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit... Okay, that's just a symbolic way of saying the evidence... That God's Spirit is working in my life is this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, unconditional love, commitment. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are some of the evidences that Christ has changed my life. I think Zacchaeus was showing that God had changed his life. How about you? There was evidence. He wasn't looking for minimum requirements. He was saying, God, you've changed my life. I've, this is dramatic. I will never be the same. Praise his name. And listen to how Jesus summarized what happened in Zacchaeus' life. In verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, who all of you know is a crook, today, his life has been changed. Salvation has come to him. He's been forgiven by Almighty God. And he expresses that in a different way. He says, he's a son of Abraham. What does that mean? Abraham's known as what? Father of what? Father of faith, right? Abraham, he's a son of Abraham. He's a son of faith. He's the kind of guy that trusts God now, not himself. He's gone from being one of the lost ones to one that's been found. By the way, that verse, verse 10, just as a little side note, many people say that that's the focal verse for the whole book of Luke. That's what the book of Luke is all about. That Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to rescue those who have been lost. People like you and people like me, people like Zacchaeus. I'm not sure if at first Zacchaeus realized what was happening, but eventually he realized that even though he didn't get up this morning looking for a life-changing day, God gave him the opportunity of a lifetime. And it was time for a change. You know, I have no idea why God brought you here tonight. It's very possible that there is somebody in this room. In fact, I know there's more than one. Many of us. God is working in our lives, isn't he? And is it possible that God has been building up his work in your life? And you know, it's just like, have you ever had those moments before? 
Okay, all you guys could just go to sleep. I mean, or y'all could just like go home. I mean, the spotlight's on me, right? You ever felt that way? God has my number. He's speaking to me. You know what's so cool about that? When you get to that point, you quit worrying what everybody else thinks. You quit worrying what the implications are going to be. You quit trying to figure it out and you just say, I'm done. Hey, balled up on a, on a hillside out in the woods with lightning striking around me, I didn't really care what anybody thought about me. I didn't really care what my plans were for my life because I thought it was going to end pretty soon. But in those moments, God just makes it real clear, doesn't he? Here's what we need to do. What are you waiting for? Amen? What are you waiting for? You know I've been speaking to you. Isn't now a great time? Isn't this a great time for just a fresh start? I don't know what 2010 was like for you. But Lord willing, he gives us another year to live. You've got a whole year laid out in front of you. Why don't you let this one be Jesus' year? Amen? I don't need any more sermons. I don't need any more verses. I don't need any more confirmation. I know what God's saying to me. And I'm ready. You know what I'd love to see sometime? I'd love to see on the very first verse, the very first note that Pastor Jeff gets out of his mouth in that song of invitation, somebody just comes barreling to the front. You know what that says sometimes? <laughs> I don't care. I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I got to get things right with God. Amen? I want to encourage you to have that mindset. God, I want to keep short accounts with you. As soon as you speak to me, I'm listening and I'm going to obey. And if God is doing that, I want to challenge you to make that decision right now. We're going to bow for just a minute before the Lord. I want to ask you just to bow with me for a second. As we wrap up the message tonight. I want you to know that here in our church family. We don't want there to be any pressure. Or we don't want to be like in anybody's face. Or pushing anybody. Definitely not manipulating or anything like that. We want to give you space to let God work in your life. As long as that takes. You keep seeking Him. You keep looking for His direction. But here's what I do want to challenge you with. At some point, we know what God's saying, don't we? We don't need another sermon. We don't need another verse. We don't need to pray about it. We need to just go ahead and take action. And I wonder if that's the time for somebody here tonight. Are you that open to the Lord? Maybe he's not speaking to you about anything specific. But are you that open? If he spoke to you tonight, are you ready at a moment's notice to say yes to him? Zacchaeus, I mean, that's a transformation. A rich crook was willing to give give half of his stuff to people who are less fortunate. And he was willing to pay back four times what he owed others. Major life change. Maybe some of us need to get extravagant tonight. Maybe we need to get a little crazy. Why don't you shimmy up a tree for Jesus? Amen? I don't want to miss him. I don't care what anybody thinks. (laughs) 
He's speaking to my heart and I'm not letting him get by until I meet with him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Zacchaeus. I thank you for just, Lord, the lesson that he teaches us, the challenge that he gives us, Lord. So many things. No matter how far we've gotten away from God, if we are willing to receive your offer, that you will save us, you will forgive us, you will come into our lives, you will change us and make us the person you want us to be. Lord, thank you for his example of extravagance. Lord, he had a worldly extravagance. No telling what he had materially. But Lord, he was, he was serious and intentional about his life. But when he gave it to you, he was just as serious, just as intentional. And he turned it all over to you. Lord, some of us have been holding back. And I pray tonight, if you're speaking to someone about letting go, that they would have the courage like Zacchaeus to do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, friend, it could be as simple as, I just need you to pray for me about something. It could be something very simple. But God's speaking to you. It doesn't matter how big it looks to somebody else. If God is speaking to you about something, it's important, isn't it? If you need somebody to pray with you, if you want to come down front and pray, if you want to talk to the Lord in your own seat, you're welcome to do that. If you need to accept Christ as your Savior, that's the best thing Zacchaeus got that day. He got his eternity cleared up with God. That's the first step, isn't it? Is that what you need to do tonight? I want to help you with that if I can. I'm going to be available down front. What a great song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I like what's the second verse. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I don't need anybody else to say they're following Jesus. He's mine and I'm going to follow him.